Do you long for heaven? Me too. There's so many reminders of longing for heaven around us every day. I'm just daily overwhelmed with that longing. I just, uh, you know, Wednesday's going to come and the political ads will finally be an end. You know, I just watch TV without being reminded how terrible everything is and how everyone is corrupt and, and broken and messed up. And yet the reality is it's a reminder of myself. Because I'm messed up, I'm corrupt, I'm a broken human being, and so are you. We live in a a day and an age of brokenness, tribal warfare, and hatred, and anger, and frustration. A time of division, and pain, and struggle. And that's just in our own homes, and the conflicts that can develop in our homes between a husband and a wife, between a child and a parent, between siblings. That's not to mention the brokenness of health and crisis that can hit when a diagnosis comes that we weren't expecting, and the pain and the struggle and the treatments and the medical bills that follow. Oh, we, we like to paint a, a nice brush over. Oh, everything's wonderful. This is where we were meant to be. No, we weren't. Because we live in a broken place with a longing for home. As Ecclesiastes says, that God has put eternity in our hearts. It's a longing for something better. And we long for it. Because ultimately, it's a longing for heaven. And we realize some way, somehow, what we've tried to build here, what we try to create here, what we try to do here, just never, ever seems to be enough. There's a longing for something more. Who is worthy to bring it about? Now, John had a vision, and we saw a later glimpse of it, but in earlier verses in Revelation, John is overwhelmed. He says, I wept because no one was found who is worthy. And he says, Then one of the elders, they said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is, he is able. And then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne. <laughs> and those gathered around, they sang a new song. For you are worthy because you were slain and with your blood you purchased God's people from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000 and they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice they sang, worthy is the lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. (laughs) Oh, I long for that. I long for heaven. Where there is no longer any tribal warfare. There's no longer any division. There's no longer any brokenness. But rather, the lamb on the throne who wipes away every tear from their eye gives victory. 
I long for that. Now, there's moments in life, I think, that give us a glimpse of what is to come. God blesses us with reminders. We, we hear it in His Word. But every once in a while, heaven comes near to His people where God opens the gates where we see, wow, what is ahead? And it just so happens one of those key moments is when God's people sing. Did you hear that? That John sees and hears those on earth singing with those in heaven, God's saints here on earth, saints above, singing together. We, we sang some of these words that I just read just a moment ago in our liturgy. I mean, with, with voices, we were joining together with archangels and those above and those who've gone before us. The saints of God. Singing is a gateway through God's word to what is ahead. I've done a lot of funerals. I've been a minister, pastor for like 22 years almost. And I've done a lot of funerals. And, you know, sometimes funerals are filled with joy. Sometimes there are places that are filled with brokenness. And, and we grieve. We know this from God's word. We, we as God's people, we grieve. But not as those who know no hope. But one of those amazing times to be reminded of the power of God's presence with his people is through singing. Many have asked me, what was it like going to South Africa? What was the big takeaway? And this is what I'll tell you today. It was singing. To be with God's people and sing. I'll show you a picture uh, this was a, a gathering of God's people in an unexpected way. We didn't know this would happen, but we arrived in, in Johannesburg and, and, we originally, and immediately was, we were notified that Pastor Kumala wasn't going to be able to meet us because uh, someone in their congregation had passed away. And we learned her name was Lena, and she had a very, very long Zulu name that I could never, ever pronounce, but they called her Lena, and, and Lena's... Funeral was being planned, and, and what I learned is, as a community, they, um, they do life together in ways that, as a, a Western Christian, I, I just didn't understand or have ever experienced. Uh, to realize the whole community comes together for the entire week, and hundreds and hundreds of people gathering with that family as they grieve, but to grieve with hope in Jesus. And, and I, I didn't realize to what extent this would mess up my life, and I mean this in a positive way was as a few days went by, we had an opportunity as we were invited to be part of the funeral. And this is a picture of that day. And, and God's people gathered, over 600 people. And, and I learned that every funeral is like this, that God's people show up for one another, to be there for one another. I, I, just, I was blown away by the presence of God's people for each other. But before this, two hours before this picture was taken, uh, I was greeted at 6 a.m. by these smiling faces. Uh, the guy in the middle there is uh, Pastor Jeffrey. He uh, was ordained uh, just a year or so ago, and a uh, dear brother in the Lord, and an incredible joy, and an incredible singer. <laughs> uh, music just kind of flows. You could be talking to Jeffrey, and all of a sudden, he'll start singing in, in the joy of the Lord. And next to him, Sam. I never got a chance to hear Sam sing, but i got a hunch it flows from him too. Uh, these brothers in Jesus and, and my friend Micah, who was also on the trip. Micah's a pastor in Arlington Heights, Illinois. And, 
And we got it picked up, and, and in South Africa, they don't honk the horn, they hoot the horn. I learned that, you hoot. And, and we heard the hoot, hoot and of the horn, and we came outside, and, and they were waiting for us uh, at the gate where we were staying, and picked us up, and um, we were on our way to Lena's house at 6 a.m. in the morning, and I thought, well, maybe there'd be a couple family members there gathered at the house, and as we approached the house, arriving there around 6.30, I was wrong. There were hundreds and hundreds of people gathered at the house at 6.30 in the morning, flooding out into the streets. And, and to understand in South Africa, this neighborhood, and, and maybe what you've read about apartheid, and all that happened back in the 50s and 60s, where based on race, people were relocated into townships based on the color of your skin. And so we arrive in this South African black township, that continues to exist, segregated in these days, even as apartheid has been lifted. And I arrive with Micah as the only white faces in this crowd of black South Africans, hundreds, gathered at Lena's house to begin this day of celebration. And as, as the crowd started to part, as we as pastors walked through and walked into this small little tiny house in a living room where the casket sat and a grieving family gathered around and as one of the pastors began to read and pray in Zulu, I didn't understand a word, but yet I knew exactly what was happening. As the promises of salvation in Christ, the Lamb who was slain, who has overcome death, sin, and brokenness in this world, brings victory in the midst of the pain and the loss in this life. And the promise of what is to come. And then it started. And then it began. It started with a, a woman who was sitting just next to me as we were crowded in there like sardines. And again, hundreds of people in the, the house crowding out into the streets. And it started with one voice. As a woman started to sing. And within a moment, the whole room began to explode into singing. And it then exploded out into the streets as God's people in full voice singing in what felt like 90-part harmony. All in Zulu, and I understood nothing, and yet I knew exactly what was being sung. Because you knew, in the presence of God's people, the, the language and the color of our skin and the tribe we come from and the nationality that we ascribe to starts to erode away in the presence of Jesus. Because all that matters in those moments is who we are, set apart in this world for what is ahead. We sang for over an hour, and then we made our way to the, the, the sanctuary where this continued for three hours. Two and a half of those three hours was filled with singing, a top voice in the celebration of Christ who has overcome death. And you might say, three hours, there's no way. It felt like 30 minutes, because I realized I was on holy ground that day. To be among God's people and the joy of connecting heaven and earth in the gift of music. Well, from there we, we left as we, we had focused on God's word and my friend Micah had shared the message among God's people. We, we end up going out to the cemetery and I don't know how well you can see this, but cemeteries look very different there. Um, they're not nice and clean and shiny and bright and we, we like to also always kind of make it look really nice. There it's very different. It, 
It's raw. It's, it's dirty. And, and this red, iron-enriched soil and, and rocks and, and arrive here and, and to think, okay, well, in America, you know, just a few people from the funeral probably come to the cemetery. Oh, no, 600 people that have come who were at the house and at the sanctuary now come to the, to the, to the graveside. And, and the singing continues. As people walked from their cars or had walked on their way over to the cemetery, the, the music, again, in 90-part harmony, was just filling the air as a witness to the world of the hope of the resurrection. And as the Word of God and the promise of resurrection, and as this casket of Lena was laid into the ground, and then it happened, this next picture, this, this was so powerful. As all of the men of the congregation lined up and they took their turn uh, to take part in the burial. And this lasted over an hour. A shovel by shovel and the dirt and the reminder, dust we are and to dust we will return. And yet in the sure and certain hope of the resurrection of all flesh and, and the community aspect, we are here as God's people bearing witness to this truth and the promise of what is to come as well as the promise of what is. And a truck pulls up and these guys in suits now covered in this this red dust and the dirt was just filling the air as the music filled the air and, and, and these huge rocks and they're, they're moving them and placing them and, and, and God's people together in this moment. Like the stone rolled away on Easter Sunday with that sure and certain hope. So God's people celebrated that day. As it ended, and I was exhausted, but then realizing I'm really hungry. Where can we get a bite to eat? And that's when one of the pastors smiled and says, it's time for the funeral lunch. And I'm like, well, where do you host 600 people? And he says, what do you mean? We're going back to the house. To the house. And we get there, and this incredible tent had been set up over their driveway and spilling out into the streets as they fed 600 people as we all sat together sharing life together in this moment. And celebrating life in Christ as God's people. You know, I love this, this moment. These are some of the other pastors who are sharing there. And, and uh, this was my first experience of a true South African meal. Um, I'm, I'm kind of hoping the feast we have in heaven tastes a little different than that. But, um, but there was something about the tent. And I was thinking about this. as read this text that we read just a few moments ago from, from Revelation 7. It says, you know, these are they that they came out of the great tribulation. They've washed their robes, made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down upon them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will lead them, lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. You know, God... One smile gives us glimpses of what it is to be his people and what it means to have a fulfilled longing for heaven and what that glimpse of heaven looks like. And I have this love in God's word. There are glimpses of music and the power of music to transcend politics, to transcend nations, to transcend tribes and languages and people, to bring, bring us together as God's people, to celebrate for eternity those who've gone before us and that answer to that longing that we have to join them. The very next day, we were walking along, and I, I met these young men. We, after worship that morning, we were on our way to uh, commission a, a new eyeglass clinic connected with uh, most ministries out of Ann Arbor, 
one of our church bodies, uh, RSOs, and, and uh, they were setting up a, a mission outpost there. And you met Muzi Kumala some weeks ago when he was here, Pastor Kumala's son. He's going to be the director of that new eyeglass outreach uh, going forward that really will reach uh, with the love of Jesus to open eyes throughout eastern South Africa. And, and we were there on that campus to go and commission that clinic as well after the worship celebration. And we're walking along on our way, and I'm talking to these gentlemen on the street, on the processional, and, and, uh, I, I, and they said, asked me, what, what, what's been your biggest uh, impression of being among God's people here in South Africa? And I smiled. I said, that's easy, the music, the singing. I, I said, it's, it's, it's incredible to me uh, to be part of this. I, I don't even feel worthy. I love to sing, but I don't, I, I just, this is on a whole other level of, of singing. And and I looked at him, I said, are, so do you, are you blessed with a, a, an amazing voice to sing to? And, and he kind of smiles and says, yeah, not really. And I'm like, well, but you sing anyway, just whatever God gives you. And, and uh, we kept walking, and two minutes later, here's what happened. And I want you to look for the, the young man in the gray shirt in what is about to be shown. Oh, 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 yeah, oh, oh, yeah, oh, holy Jesus, what a day it will be when we gather around your throne as people of every tribe, race, language, people redeemed by Christ crucified, not identified by the brokenness of this world any longer, but rather as your people set apart to celebrate and sing your praises as we celebrate the the answer to our longing for better days. Lord, fill us with that hope, fill us with that joy, and fill us with that song. A song of hope, a song of witness, a song of celebration in this world. That you are a Savior who lays down his life, a a lamb who is slain, to take away the sin of the world and to redeem us, to set us apart with victory that is ours. And to know that those saints who have gone before us celebrate around the, before the throne today. And one day, Lord, we will join them. But we have that glimpse of heaven to know that even when we sing here, the gift it is to know we sing with your saints above. Connect us to that answered longing, we pray, as your people. With one voice, one mind, and one heart, as those who belong to you. 
In Jesus' name, amen.